Hi. Welcome to Nocturna, a horror podcast. Today, you're invited to the edge of reality to witness the horrible things that lie beyond its horizon. We'll explore a captivating tapestry of dread and cosmic terror, where the intensity of our descriptions may elicit a range of emotions, from spine-tingling thrill to disquieting unease. As we delve into the depths of these stories, we invite listeners to embrace the full spectrum of sensation that may be evoked, understanding that the chilling nature of our content may both exhilarate and unsettle, depending on individual preferences. As you embark on this immersive journey with Nocturna, prepare to surrender to the captivating tales that both stir the depths of your imagination and awaken the dormant fears within you. Episode 5. Night. The story you're about to hear is a work of fiction. Probably. I must admit, before all else, that I was young when this happened. I wouldn't say that I was a particularly imaginative child, not more than any other at least, but these are memories constructed and understood by a fledgling mind. Although it all felt as real and vivid as any other moment, I'm aware that the rationality found within the mind of a mature adult cannot extend so far beyond its domain. With that, I swear that the words I'll put before you now are my true and honest recollection of events. Anyone growing up with siblings can understand the fickleness of those relationships. They know what it's like to be at each other's throats one minute and friendly the next. For my brother and I, that dynamic was always fully on display, as I think the case must often be among twins. Even as a child of six, I looked at Jeremy as my most vicious competitor and my fiercest defender. Our father used to call us the twin twisters because of our penchant for mischief and destruction. With no one else in my life have I found a greater sense of belonging than the boy who smiled back at me with my own face. When we were young, we did everything together. We were good at the same things and made friends with the same kids. If I wanted to go down the slide, he launched himself down right behind me. If he wanted to dig a hole, you could best bet I was already grabbing a shovel. There wasn't a day that one blue shirt was pulled from our closet, and when it was time for bed, we both nervously held our breath when the light went out. I do wonder how he knows so young that darkness is dangerous, that it is a threat. I used to think the notion that struck such terror into me was the concealing nature of it. It represented the predator in the trees or the creature swimming below the surface. I now know the true danger of shadow lies not under cover of that inky blackness, but throughout it. I can't remember whether it was me or my brother who developed this fear first, nor am I certain that it matters. Emotional state can spread like contagion, and two young children would be far from the most immune to its touch. Each night in our shared room, our carefree friendship devolved into grave competition to be the first to sleep, as we each knew that the loser of this race would be alone with the darkness. The harrowing promise of that loathsome companionship was the monster that swallowed us whole. Some of my earliest memories are lying awake across the room from my brother. I remember my mind racing, the way that if I looked at something for too long, I could convince myself it was moving towards me. Each night I was touched by a medley of tricks and falsehoods of a mind attempting to transform the static of low light into something familiar and knowable. 
At the time, I thought so foolishly it was the shapes that my eyes lied about that gave the markets menace. Sometimes the first moments of relief would be the warm light of dawn, and I would look upon my brother with envy, followed by thankfulness that at least one of us had escaped the gaze of what watched from the darkness, if only until twilight fell again. Our parents were stargazers, always introducing us to astronomy, planets, and the heavenly cosmos above. 3am wake-up calls for meteor showers were a staple of my childhood. It was the early 80s. Hubble hadn't even launched yet, and even if it had, there's nothing like seeing it with your own eyes. I appreciate the moments we shared as a family and how those mesmerizing celestial lights ignited my passion for astronomy. Although having to return to bed in the deepest hours of the night brought expected discomfort. It was on one of these nights that I heard the soft snores of my brother before I had faded into sleep. Second place again. I listened with dread as the hallway light switch clicked into place, and the safe incandescent glow of the overhead bulbs was no longer able to seep under our door. Like it had so many times before, my mind went to work. As my eyes darted all over the room, I saw grinning faces in the textured ceiling that laughed and bared sharp teeth. The buildup of darkness in the corners created tall figures that stretched up above me, seeming to reach out with gangling tendrils. They stood resolute but shifting, occluded enough to remain formless, but concrete enough for me to be sure in that moment that they wanted to hurt me. I desperately tried to convince myself that it was all my imagination, but with each passing moment the figures seemed to coalesce into a single, writhing, hungry form. A spectral mass grew tall in the corner of the room. Cloaked in threads of darkness, it wore a hood draped low over its face, obscuring its features. As it leaned forward towards me, I held the covers tight in my fists, too paralyzed by fear to seek safety under them. As it effortlessly lifted itself onto the mattress, I sensed a subtle shift in the bed's contours beneath the creature's weight. My blanket bore an unusual pressure, reminiscent not of footsteps, but of a swirling wind or roiling wave. As I stared into its black form, my senses were overcome by the strong scent of vinegar. The creature moved closer, and a pressure on my chest made it difficult to breathe as the moonlight filtering through the blinds threatened to illuminate its face. In my fear and confusion, I wished the pale blue rays leaking through the window to be gone in order to save myself. I thought that the fractional light able to bounce around our room was what set this terror upon me, and if I could just be in total darkness, I would find myself enveloped in a safety like that of my tightly shut eyes. I immediately regretted this wish when the moon went out. In a moment, all light disappeared. Not one glow or glimmer or shine was to be seen. My eyes were fully open, but they perceived nothing. Lying on my back, I stretched a hand out in front of me. I had only just noticed that the air had a slight breeze to it before my fingers pierced the surface of a cool pool of liquid oriented as if gravity had been turned inside out. Before I could scream, the darkness around me let out its own ghastly shriek and released a pungent scent into the air. Still seeing nothing, I heard objects collide with the walls and felt my hair whip around as the room was enveloped into the chaos of a violent wind. I cried out for my brother whose own screams shot left, right, up and down around me as we were both pulled by the black cyclone. The sensation of falling and the acrid scent made me feel dizzy and sick until I hit the floor with a thud. The moonlight in the window had returned and I laid on my stomach on the hard wooden floor. 
across the room in a mirroring pose. Jeremy lay stretched out, his gaze locked onto mine. For a moment I thought there might be peace, but I watched with unfathomable dread as the shadows that had been forced to the walls by the cutting moonbeams began to grow and shift behind him. I could neither speak nor breathe as I watched them stretch and pull at his arms and legs. The undulating body of lightlessness grasped and devoured my brother as he wore my own terrified face staring back at me. I watched him disappear into eternal night in silence. Just as I thought its next move would be towards me, the squirming black mass retreated under his bed. Gone. Gone forever. My family was torn apart in all but a few moments in a way that would never make sense to us. And I know somehow that he is not lost somewhere. He was not taken by anything as neat or material as man or sickness. He belongs to the darkness now. I am to travel north this winter on a scholarly expedition, and I have named it Gemini. My colleagues do not know my past, nor my silent wishes, but I'm told Wainwright gets 40 days of night. It was I who wished the moon went out, and I pray my brother's hunter will consume me soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of Nocturna. If you enjoyed what you heard, don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss the next episode. You can keep up with the show on social media at Nocturna Podcast. And if you want to support even more, take a moment to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. That feedback is one of the best ways to help the show grow. And most importantly, tell a friend. Just make sure they can handle it. Thanks again. Oh, and stay safe. You never know what's out there.